0: You are listening to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com with an orchard of wisdom just ready for your picking, filled with illuminating, inspiring stories. Do check out the community and the discovery stores. We are here for you. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to another show of Ignite Your Heart and Soul. I am your host, Sarah Troy. My guest today is Dr. Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman luminous life, wouldn't we all like to live that? How do we unlock a luminous life and how does science light up that art of living? This is what we're going to go to today. You know a lot of um, science today is beginning to realize that the the frequency and the vibration of living a luminous life, living in that spirituality or that consciousness is just a measurement it's all math really isn't it but how do we tap into that how do we live this beautiful life where it is a luminous it is light it is joyful well we're going to take that journey with um, Dr. Jacob here today we're going to open up the windows to the soul we're going to see that light and let it expand your consciousness and allow you to experience a greater presence and a lifeless more than you ever have before and isn't that the way we want to go we're going to find out more about him as we take this journey, so let's dive right into it and welcome him to the show. Hello, Dr. Jacob.
1: It's just great to be here with you today, Sarah.
0: Wonderful. Now, I love the title, Luminous Life. Um, we really do want to to illuminate our life, don't we? We want to shed light on things. But I think for so long, for so many centuries, we've lived kind of in a darkness, And our soul is so busy trying to light us back up again and ignite our hearts and souls and spirits. And we, I think, have got to step more into our soul consciousness and not just our human consciousness. But there is an art to that, isn't there?
1: You know, there's an art to it. And it's actually also quite simple. (laughs) And, And the simplicity is... That, you see, everyone thinks that they're living life, but they miss the fact that life is actually living them. Mm. And if we want to gain an understanding of what a luminous life looks like, all we need to do is look out at nature. Yeah. And look out at all the creatures in Mother Nature. The first thing that you notice is that all the animals and all the trees are doing absolutely nothing. That's the first thing to notice. They are not efforting at anything. They are not trying to become Hmm. something. They're not trying to expand their consciousness they're actually not trying to do anything. So all the concepts that we have, like for instance, exercise. Animals never exercise. They just walk. If something frightens them or if they see something that's good for dinner, <laughs> they, they naturally are inspired to move. But they don't run for the sake of exercise, they are merely moved as things in life call to them. The other, another beautiful example is that creatures in the wild, you know, you're uh, in Victoria and it's winter time right now and the creatures that live in that area don't wait for the first snowfall. Or the first drop in temperature and say, oh my gosh, I forgot to go to the department store and get my overcoat. (laughs) They don't do anything like that because there is a natural process whereby for months before that, every cell in our body is continually being guided about the changes that are occurring. Very, very gradually. And then each cell in their body naturally uh, orchestrates its internal function, gradually upgrading its software so that when the temperature begins to drop, the creature is right there, whether it's a bear or a deer or some sort of an insect. It doesn't have to make any adjustment. It is always in a state of congruence and coherence with life. Another word for congruence and coherence is presence. It's not working to be present. Its entire life is continually moving with the external environment. So everything is in a state of oneness. So basically, this luminous life that you described in the beginning is always being in a state of oneness with the cosmos. And the examples that I gave in terms of how a plant is guided by the energy we call light and how animals are also guided by the same energy called light, this is also occurring in humans. But what's happened uh, over the last centuries or so is that we've become normalized rather than naturalized. Mm-hmm. And our lives have become adulterated because we're continually living according to things that are not natural, and also we're living life according to our ideas about life, which in most cases have little if anything to do with the actual experience of life itself. So one of the main premises of the book, uh, which is a scientific fact, not just an idea, is that every cell of our body has the ability to see, in other words, to detect and respond to the most fundamental energy in the universe called light. And that light is not only guiding each cell to continually be at oneness with life, but it's illuminating the path, the journey that each of those cells, including the big cell we call us, must take in order to fulfill its purpose for for living, for being, and to do and to do that in a way that optimizes its health, its wellness, and its level of contentment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's um, we we've really opened up a great deal now into understanding that the cosmos, the universe, and us are made of the same material. Um, you know, the universe's job, its only job, is to constantly create. And as something dies out, they create something new. It is always about creation. And, you know, we are created from that. We're particles of the universe. We're all energy. And everything is kind of a mathematical uh, equation. It is a, a frequency, a vibration that we're resonating on. And but as human beings, somewhere along the line, we've got really caught up in this intellect and... Um, and we've forgotten how to be instinctual and just trust that knowingness. You know, open up that channel to the universe. Everything you need to know is there. You can download it. And, right. you know, that's what the animals, that's what the plants are doing. They're instinctual. They're literally following, you know, the, the natural process. And they adjust accordingly, you know, if things change because they're tapped in. But we have seemed to have gone so off kilter. And, you know, we're chasing our tails going, what's the meaning of life? What's this? What's that? Be still, grasshopper. Take a breath. Open up your channel and you will receive. But why is it we're so incapable of being still and being quiet and allowing? Is it because it's too simple?
1: Well, it's because we have been indoctrinated and conditioned to believe uh, that who we are is this thing that we experience somewhere inside that seems to talk a lot. It chatters a lot. We call it the mind, (laughs) and since we have been small, we have been conditioned to believe that humans were different from the animals and plants because they said, we have a mind and can think. And that was the you know i was led to believe that was the evolutionary leap that allowed us to be in control of things mm-hmm. however when i really began to examine this not only through my work with tens of thousands of people but in my own life through not only my desire to learn but through going through life's journeys, through depressions, through panic attacks, and all kinds of things that, as humans, we occasionally experience, in the process of going through those very difficult and traumatic times, one learns that reality is different than mentality. And What came to me is I realized that this process that we intellectualize, that we call thinking, that we said was the evolutionary leap that made us smarter than the other creature, for the most part is nothing more than worrying, (laughs) except worrying has a very negative connotation. So rather than calling it what it is, we call it thinking and it's sort of like it's really no different than the fact that most people get insurance when they get sick it's called illness insurance but that doesn't sound very good so we call it life insurance or health insurance we call death insurance life insurance in other words it's all antics with semantics Mm -hmm. we use words to actually confuse the issue of what is actually going on, another term for that, which we see all day long, is called marketing. So the point that I'm making is, um, it is only in the pro- our whole life is based on this illusion that we are this thing we call our mind. This is my mind. I've made my mind up. These are my beliefs. And, and we've been led to believe that what we believe is actually true. But the conscious mind, first of all, thinks that it knows, but doesn't actually know. But there is an aspect of our humanity that knows everything but has doesn't know that it knows and doesn't care right because there's no individual associated with it and one of the main discoveries that i made in my life which was crucial to uncovering who am i because in uncovering our actual essence all of these other things that take us from a natural life to a normal life, that take us from a dim life to a luminous life, become very self-evident, and they begin to dissolve. And that's simply this. Every human being is aware when the mind is active. Everyone is aware when thinking is going on. Everyone is aware when worrying is going on. Everyone is aware when they are feeling scared and the mind starts coming up with all kinds of ways to try to change the channel of what's going on in life. Everyone is aware of that process, but hardly anyone realizes that the only reason we are all aware when that is going on is because our true essence is observing it. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is we think that the intelligence of life is this thing we call the mind and that we create our life with that and that it tells us what to do. We can hear it. But from my direct experience, this observer, this witness that notices not only what's happening within the mind, but what's happening within the body and what's happening in the external world, this witness has no voice. It does not speak. It does not have a point of view. It does not make choices or have desire. It sees unconditionally. It's just a large, quiet, very still uh, field of awareness that is aware of everything all the time. And so when we hear a voice, it's not this place. And... Many people have spoken about this in very beautiful ways. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, spoke of this place, and he he wrote something that was very beautiful. He said, "There's a principle which is the basis of things." So what he's saying in that is that there is something that is fundamental to everything. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on. He says, It's a simple, quiet, undescribed, undescribable presence dwelling very peacefully in us. In other words, it's an observer that cannot be described and says absolutely nothing. It's totally still.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: then then he goes on and he says... We are not to do, but to let do. Not to work, but to be worked upon. So the animals are being moved. Mm -hmm. They are not themselves initiating the movement. And the proof for that is that if you look at the physiology of a creature or of a human, and they're both the same, neither one of them has any function that is designed to initiate action. Everything is designed to respond to something. What is it responding to? It is responding to the animating force, the intelligence of life, guiding its movement so it will fulfill its purpose for being. And so, In humans, we often hear the expression, it caught my eye. Yeah. But hardly anyone asks, what is the it?
0: Right, yes.
1: And what I've come to realize, having studied vision and having been very intrigued by light and consciousness, I realize that it is not the eye looking for the light. The eye does not move at all until light catches its attention Mm -hmm. and literally moves it as a reflex. It's an involuntary action. And why does the eye move? It just moves to that which has called it. And when it does that and makes that connection, that instance is called presence. The body reorients itself And at that instance, there is an absolute knowing, not a thinking, an absolute knowing without a knower of what the next step of our journey is. Why is that? Because the primary purpose of vision is to guide movement. What is the movement? It is the movement that we have through life. And that movement or journey is no different then the journey of a planet around the sun, what we call its orbit, is its life's journey. And the planet doesn't wake up in the morning and say, hmm, should I go right or left today? <laughs> yeah, It's choiceless. It's choiceless. And so what's very confusing is most of what we hear today is that if you want what you want in life, If you want to get what you want, you need to make the right choices. And if you want to make the right choices, you need to know how to do that. And what's interesting about that is we hear these things. They sound very unusual to us because none of us have ever experienced that. None of us have ever known anyone who's experienced that. None of us have ever read anything about anyone who's had that skill. And in fact, if you look at the lives of Jesus, Moses, Ramana Maharshi, the Dalai Lama, uh, all the awakened men and women throughout history, and God knows there's been thousands of them, if you look at their lives you will see that they all share something in common. And what is that? Their lives were very difficult. Yes. Most of them died very difficult deaths. They had terrible cancers or different kinds of, of conditions. And so what I'm sharing is that we believe things And we believe that what we believe is truth. But if you look up the word belief in a thesaurus, you'll see that a belief is the same as an idea, a thought, a concept, or a theory. But belief is actually the opposite of truth. And so the truth is something that is beyond belief it is what jesus spoke of when he said the truth shall set you free and jesus described what that truth is when he said in the gospel of thomas when you see up as down and down as up when you see the outside and the inside the same when you see a man as a woman and a woman as a man then you shall enter the kingdom And so truth was not this or that but was the state of unconditional acceptance right in the middle. And the great Zen patriarch expressed it in a slightly different way when he said, the great way, which for him is the same as the kingdom, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So What I'm saying is the intellect that you spoke about, this aspect of our makeup that wants safety, security, and predictability, three things that have never existed on the planet, the intellect, which does have a function – we have just been indoctrinated to believe that it's the whole thing yep. when it's actually only a small aspect of the whole picture. And so in the new book, Luminous Life, I attempt to describe how this field of awareness, this animating intelligence of life, collaborates with this part of us that we call the mind to cr- To have this dance of creation, this collaborative process of creation that you spoke of so eloquently.
0: You know, I'm going to go back uh, to a couple of things that you said. You know, I'm always telling people, you know, do not think with your mind, but uh, feel your thoughts with your soul and your heart. You know, I believe that you know, we talk about gut instincts. I don't know why I know, I just know. You know I would say that is your soul talking to you. You know, The divine, the cosmos, whatever it is, it's speaking to you. It resonates with the heart and truth. It goes to the spirit into action. And then the mind will know what it needs to know at the moment it needs to know it. Because we need to understand the mind is our data, it's our programming. You know, the the brain is the hard drive, the mind is the programming. And all this stuff that you have in your head, you don't need to carry with you and, and need to know it all the time. When you need to know it, it will extract and give you what you need to know when you need to know. There's also this thing about we need to be in control. No, we don't. We need to allow. We need to surrender to allowing, to receiving, to opening up to that knowledge And, you know, you talk about choices. The choice we can make is that I am willing to allow knowledge to come through me, to come to me, what I need to know in that moment. It's raining, I need an umbrella. I'm hungry, I need food. (laughs) Right back to those basics. This is not taking away any of your intellect. It is combining your earthly knowledge along with your divine knowledge. And from there, you really do have a truth that you can act upon.
1: I say bravo to everything you just said. <laughs> you know, it's, um, what's interesting is all of this occurs for us naturally all the time. What mm-hmm. you call your instinct, your belly brain, our insight, our precognition, our psychicness, all of these things are exactly the same thing. You spoke of it as the soul speaking to us. All of those sensations, all of those things that allow us to notice something that is invisible is an awareness mm-hmm. of this subtle light energy that I have been speaking of. And, you know, you mentioned calling it insight and I'm referring to it as light, and I'd like to share with you why uh, I'm saying that and what is the, the science behind that. Light is something very, very interesting that no one has ever been able to describe because light is not a thing. Light is totally formless. It's totally invisible. You cannot see light. What we experience is brightness, which has to do with a perceptual phenomenon. But it is not light that we are seeing, just as we cannot see God. The Bible speaks of this entity, this creative entity, this something we call God. And we say God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. It's all-powerful, uh, it's all-knowing and it's everywhere at the same time. And then it goes on and it says, God is light. It equates this God with light. Mm-hmm. If you look at all spiritual texts, they all equate consciousness with light. Because consciousness, if you try to describe it scientifically, it is exactly the same description as light. Interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. if you speak to a physicist about the nature of reality, and you say, what is underneath of everything? What is the energy that is foundational to all that is? And they'll say, oh, that's the energy of light. That's why the renowned physicist David Bohm said all matter is frozen light. Light has the potential to be everything that exists. And so um, what we call our intuition, which is our perception of the invisible, is in fact a sensing of that light. You see, I mentioned before that every cell in the body has eyes that are designed to detect and respond to light. The eyes, for instance, in, in our on uh, the front of our face, the cells in our eyes can detect and respond to a single photon of light that is the smallest uh i don't even know of a word for it because it can't be described spec. i could say it's a <laughs> i could say, well you see it's not a speck because it's not a thing mm-hmm. it's it's the smallest potential for something because a photon or light is an infinite fi- field of potentiality to be able to detect a single photon of light is to say that the physical eye is designed to detect the formless before it is rendered into form. That is what we are detecting when we what we refer to as our insight, our instinct, our belly brain. Mm-hmm. All of those words are just ways of describing... Uh, something that is not visible. And we say it's a feeling, but it's actually beyond a feeling. It's not a physical sensation. It's an absolute knowing because it is coming from the source of life and it grabs us in a way nothing else does. Of course, the moment we get these insights – which is why our teachers used to say to us when we were kids, your first impression is always the right one. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason we are often confused is that the moment, just a fraction of a second after we have these insights, these insights are reflected off of a surface, you could call it the mind, which is like a A mirror, if you've ever been into a hall of mirrors uh, at a carnival, you stand in front of a mirror and the mirror is warped and so it can make you look taller than you are, shorter than you are, thinner or heavier than you are, can make you look odd in some way, different than you actually are. This is precisely what happens when the absolute clarity of this field of awareness known as our essence is reflected off of the surface of the conscious mind which contains all the conditioning not only of our lifetime but of the all the generations that preceded us and so what we are actually aware of after that immediate sense of knowing is we're aware of a point of view whereas the initial knowing comes with no point of view it's just absolutely is. clear
0: yeah yeah and i mean I, that's that's the thing there isn't it is um it just is you know and and we just need to accept it is that's all we need to know in the moment you know, what it is, um, but we go into this ego, into this intellectualism. But what do, what does that is mean? Well, if you're in just the is, you're in the meaning of it. You know, you right. uh, just allow that truth to sit because that's all you need to know at this moment. You don't need to ha- uh, uh, over-intellectualize it. Is that also the information may be given to you uh, in... In particles, you know, you get a certain amount of information. It's part of the puzzle, and then later on, another piece comes in together as the picture then comes together, and then the clarity of what is and what you're meant to do with it is clear. But it's, absolutely, right? It's, we, again, absolutely, back yeah. to that allowing. Back to that allowing. I also, you know, people say to me, "Why do you do audio and not video?" We, we will do some video for some people, but I believe people see better when they hear. Because you're seeing the image, (laughs) you are seeing the image of what you're comprehending through what we're saying, and not a disposed image of what we think you should see.
1: You know, I want to come back to something you said about allowing, Mm -hmm. which is something very, very important. What we call the mind is a tool of duality. You could say it's a tool of discernment. It says, I want chocolate, not vanilla. I like this person. I don't like this person. This is true. This is not true. In other words, it is a, a function that deals in this or that, but does not deal in the place in between. It can see this side or that side, but it cannot see the middle. And it's sort of like um, uh, like uh, you've seen these tools that they use in construction sites that um, it's like a big tractor, and it has like some claws in the front, and the claws are designed to pick things up Uh And the mind is the same thing. The mind says, I want that, but I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And so when we speak of allowing, it's a very tricky thing because the assumption is that the part of us that says, I want this and I don't want that, can also say, I'm just going to allow everything that is. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to examine whether that is actually possible, Um, and I'll share with you why. I spent years, like everyone else, trying to change myself. I thought there was something wrong with me that needed to be improved. I needed to be more present. I needed to be this. I needed to be that. And then, at some point in my life, I became aware of what I mentioned before, that I was not the changing landscape of the mind or ego, I was the observer of these continual changes in landscape. When that became evident to me, over time, over time, there was a recognition that that and what I called me were the same thing, not The changes in the mind. And so as the identification with my essence, this witness, occurred more and more and more, the identification and addiction that we all have with the conscious mind became less and less and less. And so what occurred naturally was this allowing that you spoke of, but it wasn't an allowing by doing something. Right. It was just coming back to the default setting that is naturally there. And let me just expand upon that just a little bit. I speak about this in the book. You see, from the intelligence of life, and I know you know this exactly because I can hear in everything that you say how aligned we are, in what we're sharing here. Um, All of us are moved by something. Some people call it creativity and I call it inspiration. Mm -hmm. Something is breathing life into me literally and something is also breathing excitement into me. And the excitement is I am inspired about something. Now, when we receive this inspiration which comes to us rather than from us the mind immediately wants to claim ownership look at the great idea I had however we didn't actually have the idea the idea had us mm-hmm. the The inspiration came to us when we weren't looking the moment we become aware of that, where our consciousness, our own individual conscious mind becomes aware of this thing which excites us, the mind then runs with it and begins to implement it, to bring it into the world, but without that initial inspiration, nothing can be implemented, and so we often hear the expression, we create our own reality. Mm -hmm. And most people believe, oh, that's me, that's my mind, comes up with what I want, and then makes it happen. In actuality, what occurs is that something is seeded into our awareness from the intelligence of life, which I'm terming inspiration. And that is what catalyzes that desire within us to implement, to manifest. But that is just the very, very final step. Without that inspiration, we end up with desperation. Yeah. And so it's what I attempt to do again in the book is I... I I attempt in the best way I can to share about something which is very difficult to share about because we always, uh, our only way of sharing for the most part is through the mind of duality and yet we're trying to talk about functions that are non-dual. And so it's a very difficult conversation and yet... If we allow our, the conversation to come through us, as both of us are doing in this lovely conversation, if we allow the ventriloquist of life to move the voice through each of us, then very often the message comes through all by itself.
0: Yes. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit to something you said earlier. You know, um, when I try to live my life up to everybody else's expectation... <laughs> And dictation, I denied who I was, and there was a constant flight in me, because my cosmic Mm. self was so much stronger, and lived in its truth, and its purpose, and it simply was, is, and it was constantly fighting with the human side of me, yes, but humanity wants me to be that, and it's only when I came to peace of allowing myself to be and as Popeye said I am what I am yeah you know being at peace with that and and you have the free will to like or not like I am not offended uh, but nor will I compromise who I am to bend to your will this is my will you accept it or you don't accept it and you know we say on these shows it's inspiration for invitation Because when you're inspired by something, it invites you to open up and allow your own inspiration to guide you forward in your own life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to the pieces of the puzzle, you know, is when you do allow that inspiration to come to you and it gives you an idea, that step, you know, blueprinting. When you have an idea and you get this idea and that idea and you put it down and then then you start seeing the image forming itself into a blueprint. Well, now you've got the plan. You've got the blueprint. And now you're going to take those human steps in order to make it happen. But it always must be those human steps in partnership with your cosmic steps in order to make sure those steps are going to honor that blueprint and that vision.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly the way that I see that. That's the way that I have actually experienced that in my own life.
0: It's no point in fighting, right? You know, you know, um, it, it's futile because um, when we're given something so fervent, you feel it in your chest. You know, your spine erects that knowingness. You just know that this is the vision. This is what you see. And uh, you're seeing it from that heart and soul. You're not seeing it from the mind. The mind is the last thing to get it. Um, when the mind finally catches on on what you're seeing, you know, then it's implementation time. Act on it. But we've we've got to let our, our ego, that intellectual ego, uh, not misconstrue what we're seeing and, mm-hmm. and uh, not dictate where it should go, not try and take control over it, but rather... Flow with it. Go with the flow. Because when you do, it will take you down avenues that your little mind cannot perceive. You're denying yourself an experience if you're trying to do it from the mind's eye. When you do it from the soul's eye, the gut eye, whatever other eye you're talking to, and you allow it to take you on that journey, it opens up to wonders and things that you never ever could have perceived yourself until you allowed it to come to play. And then that truth... That truth of what it is, you don't argue with. It simply is. Whatever it's shown you, how big and vast it is, it simply is. Because you've allowed that ego intellect to take the journey but not have a voice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that is um, that. That is my own direct experience um, of this process. And um, it's... It's what really leads to a life of contentment, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's not about I'm having a great life or I'm not having such a great life. The reality of the situation is, you know, I can't imagine anyone is going to go through life without getting sick at different times. I can't imagine anyone is going to, uh, you know, in their 70s or 80s begin to notice that their body just doesn't move as quickly as it did when they were 30 or 40 or may not have some aches and pains. There are natural changes that occur. Um, All of us uh, feel pain when we're in pain and none of us are comfortable with that pain. No one likes when they get a diagnosis they weren't expecting. No one can let go easily when that is going on. So there are aspects of life that stir things up within us that are often not very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that is a fact of life. That's why Buddha said life is difficult. I think the possibility, however, is that when we begin to realize that when something isn't going our way, it doesn't mean necessarily that we've chosen improperly, that we've done something wrong because perturbance or agitation is a very crucial aspect of evolution and transformation. The status quo is almost always disturbed before something expands and that occurs in all biological function, in chemistry, in physics, even when we wash our clothes, it isn't this, the detergent and the water that gets it clean, it's the agitation. And in America, we have this expression, it all comes out in the wash. Well, that is essentially what occurs in life, is that some of the difficulties that we have in life are the catalyst for these profound openings oh, yes. that occur in our life. I, well, you know, I spent years having panic attacks and um, as I look back now, my ability to see others in the same way I see myself and to realize, oh, we're in the same boat mm-hmm. and thank God we're in the same boat was because of going through these difficult places that all humans go through
0: exactly i mean this is you know the premises of self-discovery radio here is that um it's people who've taken the journey and some people's journeys you know they went through hell on the other side and and it's who they've become now that meaningful purpose that allowance and align alignment alignment with self and you know the divine presence you know they said i would uh, um I would never give up the journey because of who I am, what I've become today. Um, but, you know, yeah. you talked about in the beginning of, you know, these great uh, divine leaders that have led us in the past who were riddled with illness. Now, there's a lot of conflict to do with that. I have a couple of diseases I have to live with on a daily basis. And I don't feed them, but I have to be... In partnership with them, because they let me know when I am overdoing it, when the body cannot keep up, or even when you know my own divine energy cannot sustain. Absolutely, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so people say, but if you're you know in this divine presence and this energy healing, you should be cured. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I believe I was given these diseases to to keep me grounded here. Otherwise, why would I want to stay? Because being a cosmic light of being is beautiful. You know, it's to keep me here to do my work.
1: You're making an in very important point. We have this fairy tale that we tell each other. That, you know, once we awaken and we get it all together, all of a sudden we get everything we want. Excellent health, all the money we want, relationships that always work. We always get the parking space in front of the health food store. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all of these interesting um, illusions that we share and the problem with that is because they it doesn't actually exist in this way we end up continually thinking something is wrong with us and um, you you bring up a very 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 beautiful point which is um, just because we have something going on physically doesn't mean that we've done something wrong. And the opposite of that is just because we awaken to a new reality, it doesn't mean that the body is going to necessarily change because the awakening is to our essence. And our essence is just a silent observer. It doesn't, it's not actually the physical machine. And so Mm. sometimes there might be associated changes, and often there are no changes at all on that level other than there's a greater understanding and a greater sense of ease yes. about stop it. Yes, stop
0: fighting. You stop fighting.
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying our conversation. <laughs> it's, um, um, it's real.
0: Precisely, you know, um, I'm a spiritual being having a human life. I've lived many, many lifetimes before, and, um, and all sorts, you know, different memories there. Um, and you know, my lifetime here has been trying to open up people's mind to basically this, you know, soul awakening, tapping into that allowance, you know, al- understanding that the universe and us are, are one and the same. You know, we yes. we, are, we are here to learn we are here to uh, raise that vibration we're here to absorb and to be instruments in this creation yeah. we yes. are all creators because the universe is is creativity And so we're here to create our own platform, our own contribution, you know, embrace our own beautiful divine gift. And as I said, we we talked about getting into that pseudo-intellect where it's all in the mind, which just has you on a treadmill going around and around and around all the time. And we've lost that beautiful art of uh, of the allowing, allowing the knowingness of being what is. And going back to nature, all those trees have a wonderful matrix that join each other where they communicate and support one another. And if you go into a forest and you walk amongst the trees and you listen to those leaves rustling, they're speaking to you. Just because they're not speaking in your language doesn't mean they're not communicating. Open up. Open up and let that knowledge come through. By the time you finish that walk, there's something you've just come into a realization of. Well, they gave it to you. And we've got to understand, nature will always speak to us because it's all part of the same energy. They came in tree form. We came in human form.
1: You know, you're, uh, in animal form. <laughs> I loved your story about the trees. Um, what it reminded me of is many years ago, I was doing a teaching symposium, and um, a a woman walked in, and um, she was using a cane, one of those canes that someone who is not able to see uses. And as soon as um, she caught my eye, I stood up, and I took my hand, you know, moved my hand toward her, and just grabbed her hand so she knew that I had her and I said here let me show you to a chair and I sat her down right next to where I was sitting she had no idea that I was the person facilitating the event and her name was Angel, Angel mm-hmm. which was very interesting and we did this event and um Months later, she was working with some color uh, in a therapeutic uh, format that I had designed. And she wrote me a letter. This is many years ago. And she said, I had a miracle that happened this morning. And so she started to describe it and I was so astounded You know, I I was reading her letter, but I said, oh, no, no, I need to get this directly from her. So I called her. And she said, you know, um, even though I'm older than most college students, she says, you know, I've gone back to the university to get a degree in my 40s. And she said, every day I walk to class on the same path, which I'm knowledgeable in, and she says, my whole life, I keep having this awful feeling. Oh,
0: have I lost you? Sorry, we dropped there for a moment. Please, would you continue, love? You were talking about the awful feeling.
1: Yeah, so she said, I, each, each day for years and years and years, she says, I have this awful feeling I can't see. I can't see, and that particular day as I'm walking to class on that road, all of a sudden something stopped me in my tracks, and I realized something I had never realized before, and I said, what is that? And she said, I always felt my life was empty because I was the one seeing, and I couldn't see. <laughs> But th- that moment, I realized that all the trees, all the plants, and all the creatures were actually looking at me. Mm. And all of a sudden, I realized I wasn't alone. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't all about my seeing. Everything was also seeing me. Yeah. And she said my whole life opened up in that moment. So, you know, when you talked about taking a walk in nature and the the leaves rustling and the leaves speaking to us, that is absolutely so amazing. You know, every morning uh, where I live in Maui, I get up at 5.30 or so and I sit outside in my hot tub. Why? That's when the birds are doing their morning sonata. Yeah, <laughs> And it is unbelievable, and it's still dark out there, and they're having this unbelievable, you know, and I can, I can hear the birds that come out every morning, the specific birds that make specific sounds. And it's really quite, quite fascinating. We have become so blind and deaf.
0: And disconnected.
1: From the rest of reality, yeah. we don't realize that every plant, every animal, every every cell in the universe is consciousness. Not yeah. only has consciousness, is consciousness. Yes. Everything feels. And science has even proven all that right now. That plants, animals, fish, they all feel. They all have awareness. So we are communicating all the time
0: and everything
1: is communicating to us as well
0: now you mentioned you know uh, color therapy which color is hugely if you just have to look at my site and you'll know that color is important Uh, because i think that color speaks to the different chakras it opens things up Um, you know it's it's the same as music for me but you know the music whether it's coming from the music or whether it's coming from you know the trees the birds the waves hitting the rocks uh, the the wind blowing you know it, there's music everywhere um and there is color everywhere and it feeds us doesn't it it feeds our psyche it becomes an equilibrium it, it calms us it um It just brings everything down into that beautiful center where we then can allow, because I think this is the big word we're talking about today, is allowing your light, allowing your luminous life to set forth by not dictating and not controlling and not ordering. You know, it's just allow, and then you will see what your life is, where you need to go, that beautiful purpose that you're here for but you're not going to ever see it if you are busy purely living from the mind or from um from the ego or from control it's you gain more control over your life when you let go of all form of control don't you
1: yeah and you know you spoke about color and uh color has had a very profound impact on my life um When I was first introduced to the concept of using colored light therapeutically in 1971, I was given this information like a cookbook approach. This color does this, this color Mm -hmm. does that, and it didn't take me long to realize that actually that's not the way that it works, even though those are interesting models. What I discovered very early in my career is that everyone and everything responds to light of different wavelengths, what we interpret as color. But that response is individualized, and the way that I discovered that in humans is I found that everyone had colors they liked and colors they didn't like or liked less. And I started wondering why that was. And um, so what I did is I... I bought a whole set of biofeedback equipment in the late 70s. Another word for that is physiological monitors, things that can monitor your breathing, your galvanic skin response, the tensions in your body, and so on. And what I discovered is when people thought about, visualized, or looked at colors that they were not receptive to or ones they didn't like their body went into a stress response. Mm. And the same thing happened when they thought about events in their life that were traumatic. And what, just as I mentioned before, that light is the vibrational foundation of life. It's the formless essence from where life emerges. Color is a portion, each color is a portion of the light spectrum which is the vibrational foundation of a certain spectrum of our life. And so I uncovered very early that the colors that people are comfortable with have to do with the events in their life that they are open and receptive and comfortable with. And the colors that they don't like or recoil from represent aspects of their life that they're yet not able to embrace. Mm -hmm. Unresolved issues that could have occurred early in life, but many, many, if not most of these things, actually were passed on genetically from generation to generation, and it's just something that is in the matrix of our DNA, And so what I began realizing is that there was a way of utilizing color that could very gently and very gradually, by invitation only, help us desensitize from these emotional triggers that create a lot of the distress in our life. And so over the years... I've developed ways of utilizing color um, that helps people essentially become comfortable with the aspects of life that they used to feel uncomfortable with. And what's interesting is you mentioned the chakras. Mm -hmm. I've noticed a very significant correlation between the colors they're uncomfortable with and the unresolved issues And the parts of their body where issues develop. And so um, I've actually, over the years, I've developed different devices and so on to use to to be able to work therapeutically with color uh, and trained, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of doctors and therapists over the year. Um, I don't create uh, devices any longer because it's just too expensive for the average person, but what I've put together is a very simple um, little kit um, that has uh, special glasses with filters that I have designed. And what it does is it, it allows someone in the comforts of their own home usual, by using these filters for very short periods of time and noticing when we're looking at life through these filters – does it relax or inhibit our breath? Mm. And utilizing the color and the breath to gently, gently invite this opening inside of us. And um, it's been very beautiful. And in, in, in the book, I actually take the reader through uh, a visualization a uh, process, a little process, whereby they can begin to experience what I'm discussing here, but have their own direct experience of it and see, whoa, my God, this is unbelievably powerful. You know, um, it's it's when we when we experience it ourselves, yeah. all of a sudden, it's it's beyond an interesting idea. There's a, you know, there's something very real about it. So, yeah, color is a very beautiful way of energetically um, supporting um, us gradually opening to our fuller potential.
0: I'm so glad that you actually made your book as colorful as you did. Um, You know, obviously I get sent a lot of, you know, uh, book covers and, and uh, you know, a lot of people are prone to black and uh, you know, okay, it has its, its thing, but you know, I'm, about color and you've chosen the most beautiful kind of goldy orangey yellows here that really do speak to to the soul to the warmth and i'm a blue person yeah. because i'm air i'm constantly uh, flying and so blues are the things that to really illuminate me as well and and along with the book cover. So, of course, in creating your banner, I had to go with the blue that matched your eyes <laughs> that, <complicated, laughs> that complimented the book. <laughs> and so when you see this banner, yeah. you'll be really drawn into it because it's very inviting. And if that's the thing, I think. Uh, why do we spend so much money in advertising on the right color? It's because we're trying to speak to that particular chakra of your need that's going to draw you in. Right. So yeah. color plays a huge, big part in our lives. And I think we'll have to have a conversation about that one day.
1: Well, I will look forward to that opportunity.
0: Definitely, because color, you know, color my world. Most certainly it's, it's one of the things that I use a lot in my own uh, therapy, but by also using the elements um, because it's also, you know, it's all it all tied. Everything is tied in, folks. There isn't anything that's separate. Yeah. Everything is tied in. It's just, you know, if we understand how it's tied in, we'll understand its purpose and what it's trying to tell us. Because everything is trying to keep us in the flow of life on track, in alignment, open to allowing. And if we go off track, that's when we start getting discord and things breaking down and causing some static in the equation. And creativity wants us to constantly be in flow so we can create. And so we need to know these things so that we can stay in the flow and not allow ourselves to go off track. So for now, we'll do the color show another day. Um, Let us find out how we get hold of your book and how people can get hold of you.
1: Um, if they merely go to my website, which is Jacob dot org o r g, and Lieberman is spelled L i b as in boy e r m a n. The website, um, uh, first of all, it's lovely to look at. It's a beautiful website. It's not designed to sell you and so on. It's just designed to to share something mm-hmm. that uh, has been important in my life and. They can get information there uh, on all of my books, and it will take them directly to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or their own local bookseller. Uh, We don't actually sell books, but it will take them where they would like to go to purchase books. And they can also look there in terms of where I will be speaking during my book tour, uh, which I did part of it a little earlier but we'll begin again in and uh in a few weeks and um and if people want to reach out uh, they can email through the website at info at org, and uh and look just look at our site and see what touches you
0: excellent wonderful well this has certainly touched me it's um yeah, it's been a lovely conversation and you've certainly, you know, opened things up. And um, it really, the bottom line of it all is is stepping into that allowance, uh, allowing our lives to take us where we need to go, trusting the it um, and studying, stepping out of our intellectual ego, stepping out of the mind. Um, because, you know, it has its purpose, but it's not the first part, is it? It's the whether you call it soul or cosmic or light um, information, feel your knowledge before you think your knowledge um, because then the thoughts will be right. So thank you so much for being with us here today, Jacob. This has certainly been very illuminating. And uh, and I do really want to have you back talking about you know the color because it's really important. And I you know people don't realize too that when they go and put something on, you know you're feeling depressed and dark, and you go and wear something dark, that's not going to lift you up. You know you have to go to the opposite. And and how important color is, and in the invitation of what you do and who you are, it is your canvas, it's your background, your platform. So uh, let us do a show on that. Okay.
1: I look forward to it and thank you for inviting me and thank you for your listeners and to everyone, just have a grateful day.
0: So that's uh, org, folks. I encourage you to go and get the book. Um, I encourage you to, to read it and to learn from it. Allow, allow the knowledge to come in because when you do, it will illuminate your life. Until next time, folks, bye for now.